There she is again. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon from my end. Good morning to Simone in South Africa. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you may be in the world. And welcome to another week's Sports Coaching Insights. We're a day later than we would have planned. Uh, technical difficulties, as I said yesterday, um, but we're back. And Simone, good to see you. That's good to be back, yeah. How are things going? They're going well. No, they're going well. The restrictions have come back up in South Africa, um, where we are now at the place where schools are not allowed sport anymore. We can do fitness um, just to keep the goals, you know, conditioned. But with regards to stick and ball, there's no school school sport allowed. Um, club hockey is still going on, though. Um, private coaching is still going on, though. So it's not that we're at a total standstill. And Kieran is already with us, and he's just said hi, Simone. So there you go. Morning, Kieran. Um, yeah, he, he's 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 right on top of it. He's he's there again, um, which is very good. All right. So our topic this week, getting into it, is is from a coaching point of view, and there's probably a little bit of a playing point of view to this too, because um, the two of us here, you're the one that actually plays the game, whereas I'm the one that just you know pretends I'm coaching the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> So let's get into what we're talking about game day, game day and everything that goes into game day and everything that happens for you. What is, and you can talk from both points of view here. What's your pregame? What's game day look like before you actually get to the, that part of it? What's, what's so I, I have a thing where like before every, every time before a game, I need to, uh, you know, do some sort of hectic thing. Run a 10K, climb a mountain. I'm joking. No. <laughs> okay. Um, no, because from a coaching point of view, you basically, from a coaching point of view, you want to go into the game considering all the possibilities of what the game could, what could possibly happen in the game because you want to, your team is going gonna, is gonna to be the ones that are feeling overwhelmed, that are going to feel frazzled during a match. So you want to kind of, present a calm, collected, organized front where you know what's happening and then you can, you know, relay that over to them. So it's really more about planning um, your strategies, your gameplays, all of that. Um, and along with that goes knowing a little bit about your opponents, you know, if, if at all possible. There's obviously sometimes where you can't really know anything about them or haven't have seen them played, but, you know, at least something. Um Otherwise, you really just need to, more than anything, even if you don't know what the heck you're doing and you're standing there, confuse yourself. You need to just prepare yourself to go in extremely calm, extremely collected, because otherwise it's going to rub off on your team. Your team's going to be feeding off of you as the coach. So, yeah, that's from a coaching point of view. I don't know if you want to first talk about that and then move on to players' points of view. Oh, I think we can do both. I think we can do both. Okay, so player point of view. Yeah, your prep your prep for game day is obviously a little bit more hectic. Coach, you don't have to, you know, hover load the night before and get a good night's sleep and, you know, because you're just coaching. But player point of view, you know, you got to th – the responsible thing to do is to think about what you're putting into your body the night before, you know. Don't be putting in McDonald's or – I don't know if you guys have McDonald's there. You probably do. McDonald's. McDonald's <laughs> is everywhere. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can't be putting stuff like that into your body. You've got to be thinking, okay, 
I've got to give my body something that's going to make it give me what I'm expecting it to give me tomorrow type of thing, you know. Um, that's on the diet side of things. Sleep, exactly the same. You don't want to go into a game being fatigued. Um, we all see what happens of, on day three of a tournament. You know, everyone is fatigued. Everyone is tired. Legs are sore. You know, you don't want to go into just a, a weekly game like that either. Um, yeah, and then mentally, you kind of need to start thinking, okay, this is where the coach normally plays me. You know, this is the position I play. What are my goals for the match? Going to the match, having a, a goal. Not, not a goal of I want to score two goals. I really, I used to, and this I'm talking from experience, I used to do that. I used to go into a match going, okay, I have to score three goals this match otherwise. And to put that pressure on yourself to score a goal is unrealistic. Yes, you're going to score goals, but don't, don't make it your, your end goal to score a goal something else rather, you know, getting, getting feet in the D every time I enter the D with the ball or I receive the D or the ball in the D you get a conversion, which is either a shorty or a goal, or at least a shot on goal, something like that. You know, that's actually realistic. That's not so out of your control because scoring goals also is not always in your control. You might not always get the position be in the position to score the goal and you've got to pass it off to someone else to score. And yes, you might've been the key key player but you wouldn't see yourself scoring the goals and then you haven't um, attained your goals it's a team sport don't put so much pressure on yourself so yeah just deciding what is your goal for the match um and yeah nerves you know you're gonna have nerves for match we call it i don't know if you guys call it this but we call it bmt big match temperament if there's a really big match um you know there's crowds watching before COVID and, you know, it's, it's the pressure of the game. It's the vibe. And some players thrive under that pressure and others crumble. Um, and if you have the BMT, then you'll be fine. And if you don't have the BMT, it's about finding a way to manage the nerves um, and the fears that you're having and being able to zone it all out and just focus on your game. So, for me, your, 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 your pre-match prep is more about mental than it is physical and, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, very interesting little thing you said there, Simone, which is a bit of a quote from a reference to a movie that was once in Australia. You said it's the vibe of the thing. Uh, it's a, that's a famous quote from um, the castle in Australia where he, the solicitor in it, uh, Dennis Denudo in court just used to say, it's just the vibe of the thing. So that, there you go. So um, just, just as a bit of a cultural reference for Australians, um, the vibe of it, which is good. Uh, Karen's actually, <clears throat> sorry about that. Uh, high pitched voice. Um, Karen's. Huh? <laughs> Karen's actually asked a question um, and we'll get this in here because this is an ideal time for it. Um, do you have any superstitions as a player or coach? Is there anything that you're superstitious about? Pre-match superstitions, not specifically. I have more. I have superstitions about on the on on the turf as a coach and a player. I have very specific ways that I do things, and if it doesn't get done that way, I can't function. Um, so. More, more on the field as a player. It's, it's more about. I actually, it's very weird. 
but it's the way my clothes feel on me. They have to sit right. And like this year, for example, we got new, uh, new scorts for, for our club that I play for. And the score just, I can't, I can't deal with it. I just, it just doesn't work for me. So I just told them I'm wearing my score from last year. Sorry, just deal with it. So now I just wear my score from last year and it's fine and everything, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very about like the way my clothes fit on me. So if I'm busy playing and I fall or whatever, I have to readjust everything to make it, it just, yeah. And then I can play properly. Um, I have a thing about my glove because I play with a with a left hand glove. Um, I have a thing about the strap, how I put it on, and between every between every chucker, I have to take it off, and then I like move my hand around. I don't know, and then I put it back on, and then I have to do the strap properly. Stuff like that, small things like that. Um, I have general general things that I have to do to be able to function in the day, like doing my hair in a specific way and stuff like that. But it's not. Yeah, it's not like anything hectic where I'm like, okay, I have to, when I walk up the house, tap my foot backwards three times or something like that. No. Um, as a coach, I, I wouldn't say it's superstitions. It's just mannerisms and habits that I do all the time that I have to get right. And some people, I suppose, would call that superstitions. Um, but more, more me, I just, yeah, I just have very specific ways of doing things. And I run things quite structured. I would say and I can vouch I can vouch for your superstitions having watched your game live and oh, know some of the little the little superstitions during the game uh, oh really that's so funny yeah, <laughs> yeah picked up the little ticks little superstitions they're there they're there for all to see PE hockey <laughs> go and watch it on PE hockey guys um, is, this, is this now the when I play or when I coach both oh <laughs> I've never really picked up on code, my coaching superstitions. More oh, my players. Yeah. Hey? It's just you, you notice what you were talking about there as a player. You can see that those things are very important to you during a game. You can see that. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Um, okay. You know, there was, a, as I said, you, there was a shot of your team at half time. You took the glove off, you flexed your hand, put the glove back on in a certain way. Now yeah. you say that, we can see that. It's all. Very evident there, of course. Uh, so there you go. So, um, yeah, look, you know, superstitions are an interesting thing. It, it, um, I used to, used to, um, used to, when I was playing cricket, I used to have a, a player who he required himself to, he had to, you know, throw up before he'd go out to bat and all this sort of stuff. So physically make himself do that. Now, that's not something that I, I think that's going from being superstitious to being almost obsessive. Um, yeah. That's probably a little bit over. Yeah, sometimes they, they go a bit far, yeah. And I do say that you've got to be very careful about what you consider to be a superstition and what's actually uh, what's actually obsessive or obsessive-compulsive even. Um, there's certain things, you know, from my point of view as a coach, I like. There's certain things I do. There's certain routines that all coaches follow. I'm sure you're no different. You know, we follow routines. Whether that you'd call those superstitions is probably uh, is probably not accurate. They're more routine, really, mm. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it is more routine. You know, I'm just trying to think now. Like coaching wise, I have. I always only use my my green, my orange, and my light blue uh, whiteboard markers for my whiteboard. But 
that's like just a habit. It's just like a thing, you know. If I didn't have my orange one, you know, I'd probably trade it in for the pink one and I would probably survive. And it would probably look weird for a second, but I'd survive. You know, it's not like I now think that we're going to lose 10-0. Um, I, I guess the only superstition I've probably got is that um, when we're walking from the change rooms to the bench area, I like to be the last to enter the bench after the players. It's, I don't know whether you'd call that a superstition or whether that's just how I am. So if I had to wait for all my players to enter the bench before I do, I might not make it to the match. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I, I I like I like to let them in first. I generally like to let them all leave the change rooms, and then I'm last to last to walk across. Uh, you know, that might be considered a superstition or not. I do know other coaches out there that won't tread on the lines. They don't like to step on the lines, so they'll step over the white line. They won't. They don't want to tread on any lines. You know, there's that sort of superstition. Um, some prominent international coaches, you'll be amazed at some of the things that they. They have as quirks that they must do before a game. Mm. Uh, I know. Yeah. I know an international coach that insists that they must uh, must scull a iced coffee and do some weird stuff in relation to that. Anyway, there you go. So you know, it's all okay. weird stuff. Um, you know, we're looking at pre-game and then we're moving into into your game scenario. And there's a lot of things you're going to deal with as a coach uh, and as a player during a game. For you, what is what are you trying to you know, focus on from a coaching point of view during a game in terms of how things are going around you? What what are you focusing on? What are you obviously trying to drown out? For me as a coach, I'm one of those coaches that is okay if you lose as long as you've played well. When other when the other team scores a goal and it's a good goal, I will applaud it. For me, it's when my team is not doing what we've practiced. My team is not playing the way they're supposed to play. That is when I get angry. So what I focus on is, and, and, and I, I take my team talks very seriously, my pre-match team talk. I, I don't baby them, but I go through everything that we're supposed to do. The formation, the 16 press, the whatever. You know, 16 attack, shorties, I do it all. And then I expect them to do it. And if they don't do it, that's when I get upset. So for me, during a game, that's what I'm focusing on. The small things about our formation. But that's that at the, like now with the team I'm currently coaching um, for club hockey is because it's a new thing for them. So it's not about winning. As long as we play the formation and the structure that we're supposed to be playing, I'm okay. With a different team in a different scenario, like, for example, the team that I actually play for, we already know the formations and structures and everything because so we never have to go over it because we've been doing it for years. And now our team is at the place where we're competing to win the league. So it does become a little bit more about winning, about putting the goals in for the bonus point, no matter how you get it type of thing. So it also depends on the, on, on, on the team's kind of position in the league if you are playing a league or a tournament or whatever but for me I always tend to more focus on the formations and the structures that you're playing and then I work on you know like if I'm standing now between chuckers between quarters whatever you guys call it you know I'm writing on my whiteboard okay uh, strikers need to stretch the field defense needs to mark up and then I take that into the 
little break, the two minute break or the five minute break, whatever. And I just talk about that. Mm. So this is what we need to work on in the next chakra. If you can fix that in the next chakra and you can fix whatever else in the next chakra, then I'm happy. Then we, we build from there. So I almost see it as normally with my teams, my last chakra is my best chakra because they've gone from the start and we've, we've taken the start as the basis and then you build, 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 build to get closer and closer to what your goal is. Um, which, yeah, for now it's, you know, it, it helps them to see. And then hopefully the next match, the first chakra in the next match is everything that they did in the last chakra of the previous match. And then you build, 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 build from there, you know? Um, and that's what you hope for, you know, that's the optimistic point of view. And whether it is actually that, you know, sometimes it's not. Oh, sometimes I got onto the field this weekend. Was it this weekend? It was on Friday night. And I literally just said to my girls, where's my team? Where's my team? This is not my team. I don't know what you're doing. I almost cried in that match. Because sometimes the girls are just not there. And there's nothing you can do. You can shout and shout and shout until you're blue in the face. You can go on like a hooligan, but they're not going to do anything. And then you've got to literally just simplify it completely and be like, all right. So just receive the ball and pass the ball. Don't run. Don't skill. Don't do anything. Receive the ball. Look up and pass the ball. And everyone else, make sure that you're in a position to receive the ball. And that's all I want you to do. And if you pass the ball a hundred times and stand in exactly the same place, just do that. You know, it's a place where you, you got to simplify it all the way down for them to whatever level they're on in, on that day, because sometimes the girls just are not there. Mm, what do you do? You know, you can't just, okay, well, I'm done now. I'm going home because what, what's my, what's the point of me being here? No, you got to see it out with them. And then it's a learning experience for them. After the match, you debrief them, you know, Whatever was happening, you work through it with them. You're just as much part of the team as they are, you know, and they're just as frustrated as you are, but they still have to go and focus on playing a match, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, as a coach, the biggest thing to remember, I think, is that or from the sideline, it looks very easy. Yeah, it does. Because you can see exactly where the passes are. You're not part of it. You can – hockey looks very easy from the sideline. But go onto the field and play yourself. And it's completely different. It really is. Um, and that's kind of the balance, I think, that coaches need to try and find as well. Um, yeah. So. There's not much you can do. You talk about it there. There's not much you can do if a team decides to self-destruct. Yeah. Um, if they decide to make the decision to self-destruct, there's not a lot you can do. I've been in that position. I've watched my. I've watched the team I'm coaching out there self-destruct. Nothing I could do about it. Like you say, the next task then is to figure out how do I pick these guys. How do I pick them up when this is yeah. over? How do I get them back on their feet so that um, that self-destruct doesn't become a much bigger problem? That's one of the things where, like, you know, like what I did on the weekend with them. I just basically then I took. Some players who were super frustrated and came off and were like, coach, 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 please, can I just go to the fence and just help them out? Because what the hell? And that's like a striker. Mm. Then that's where you're like, you know what? Go try it. 
Who wants to go try score a goal? You? Right. Sweeper, up to striker, you go. Who wants to try and go and, you know, and you just move them around. And then it kind of adds a speck of excitement because they're like, oh, I'm going to go play a new position or I'm going to go try something else. And sometimes that's when you figure out, hey, you're actually not bad there, you know, stuff like that. So that's also then where you kind of, okay, stuff, stuff trying to get back into this game. Let's, let's, you know, have a little bit of fun, experiment a bit here and see what we, what we discover. I'm just scared to change things up, you know, um, and that's fine. You do that. You do that as well. So, yeah. Interesting question here, and it comes from Kieran again. Um, Thank you, Kieran. Look, I, I, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to let you answer it. Um, do you get white line fever both as a player and a coach? I already know the answer to this question, folks, but I'll let Simone joke that one. Do I get white line fever? As in, do I, as a coach, want to sometimes just run on the field and play? Is that what he means? Yeah, it, it, it's a term that's used uh, someone who, once they step over the line, goes from being uh, perhaps sweet and innocent to being... <laughs> <laughs> I see why you're saying you know the answer to this. Uh, well, I... Okay, me as a player, super intense. Don't mess with me. I will, I will throw you off the turf, literally. So as a player, I am extremely intense. Uh, I'm not a nice player. I'm not a nice person on the field. I'm not. That's just how I am. Um, I'm a striker. So I also bring the intensity of trying to score goals and that, that goal drive. Um, and, yeah, people don't like me as a player. They hate playing against me. People have told me this before. Not because – not specifically, you know, because I'm good or something like that. It's just – my temperament on the field, I'm not a nice person. I'm not like rude. I mean, I can be rude. If you come at me, I'll come back at you. But yeah, as a coach, I try to be nice. I do. But also sometimes I don't even have to step on the field to be ugly. Like as a coach, I get super frustrated just as much as a player. But as a coach, I have to obviously have the responsibility of turning it down. So I suppose then, yes, I do have white line fever. I don't know, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, I'm not a, yeah. I, I, I used to be like, guys, come on, what? But I've gotten to the place now where I'm like, you know what? It's fine. I'm um, not a nice player. I know this. As I say, I've, I've seen you play. I've watched the live, the live, uh, the live stream. Uh, I, can, I can vouch, vouch for this. Uh, during the live stream, I think I called out several times, get up with the play. <laughs> Just for a bit of fun. Um, but I do also understand your frustrations because I was also watching another game on live stream where I watched the umpire basically out of position the entire time. So That's the thing. Where our umpires here are not always, they're still learning sometimes and stuff like that. And me being an umpire, me being a coach, and me being someone who will say exactly what I feel as a human being, I, the umpires all know that I'm going to chirp them. I mean, in that match that you watched, I said, I turned to him at one stage, the umpire, and I was just like, listen, because I know him like off the field as well. I was like, listen, sorry for the chirping, but you know. And he was just like, no, it's fine. I'm just not listening today. I know. So I was, so it's like a – cool. So that's the thing. If I'm playing a home game, yeah, in PE, 
it's okay. Like I can kind of, I don't have to self-control, but if we go to a tournament or whatever, I do know. Okay. Just shut up, Simone, you know, <laughs> because otherwise you're going to get carded. <laughs> but most of the time I'm tuning the umpire <laughs> more than anything else. The players, I don't tune players. I just like, I will then come and body bash you. Like, I, yeah, I have this way and it's probably not good, but I'll say it, you know, I have a way of, obviously hockey is not actually allowed to be contact, but if you, if you make me angry, I have a way of, if you've got the ball, if I've got the ball and you made me angry, I'll, there will be contact. Where shame. <laughs> You're not going to come off very well. <laughs> That's just, yeah, I don't know. Get out of my way. You know? I think that answers the question. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't, um, yeah, don't do anything around Simone that might get her angry because you're probably going to end up over the fence. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good summary, Jerome. <laughs> um, and some of my players have ever, even asked me, Coach, please teach me how you do that. Coach, please teach me how you do that. <laughs> I have like one-on-one -on -one sessions with with my with my kids, some of them, um, where I actually like do a private session with them, and I play body and I teach them how to use their bodies in a way that's not going to hurt them, but that's legal as well. It's really funny. It's a it's a it's a good skill to have if you know how to control it, and there's a responsibility to it as well because you don't want to be breaking people's bones. Like I've never done that. No or giving people concussions or something like that. I just put enough force behind it for them to go, okay, it's fine. I'm sorry. And then they leave me alone. That's all. There's a, there's a sense of responsibility to it. Don't be reckless. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not out there trying to hurt people. It's just part of the game. You know, if someone comes at you, you go at them. And if you don't, then don't complain that they're coming at you. Well, I know how that feels because I know what a sense of reckless looks like. Uh, two years yeah. ago when we coached an FAG Cup against uh, a team from Malaysia, they were reckless in their tackling. And one of my young girls uh, was basically double teamed and, and hit the deck. And as she came down, she belted her head on the turf. And it was, it was, it was, it was bad enough that it, she was taken to hospital in an ambulance. So, See, that's the thing where there's also, you've got to understand there's a level of respect. If, like at club hockey here, there's some school girls that play against us, 16, 17-year-olds that are playing against, you know, adults. And you don't go with those girls. They're 16, 17 years old, you know. Let them play. Yes, if they are coming with this macho, macho attitude, you know, just deal with it. And after the game, have a word with them and say to them, look, this attitude's not going to get you anywhere type of thing. But don't go at them. You, I will go at an adult. Or at someone that I know is at my age level or at my strength or skill level or whatever. But I'm not out there to, you know, go scare a little high school girl out of playing hockey for the rest of her life. You know, you, there's a level of respect that you have with that. And that's where the controlled, the controlled anger, maturity in the anger or the maturity in your game and your temperament comes, comes in, you know. So, yeah. From a, from a point of view of, of coaching during a game, What's going on on the bench? Is it a calm bench? Is it a slightly? Oh no, Michael, my bench must be quiet and calm. Yeah. Yo, 
I've got this one player who used to coach the team that I'm coaching now, and she decided she doesn't want to coach anymore. She just wants to play. And she now, because of just, you know, coaching, she stands there and wants to coach. And eventually I was like, listen, sit down, be quiet. You know, and she understands it and everything as well, so it's fine. But yes, no, they must be quiet. They can clap and well done. Woo. Okay, but don't tell the players what to do. I'm doing that because I've got a specific plan and they might not know what my plan is. So they might not understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. So they must sit, be quiet, and, and think about why they're on the bench. And then they can go back on the field. Yeah. Just, yeah. How do you so. deal with that? How do you deal with this, the scenario? Because I've had the same thing where you've got players coming off telling other players what they should and shouldn't be doing. Uh, you know, players complaining about what's going on on the turf while the players are doing. Nine times out of ten, they're actually doing the same thing as that what they're complaining about the other player not doing. Which I, I let them get it out. I let them get it out because I, I do believe in not bottling things up because when you're frustrated, you want to say what you want to say. So I let them get it out and I just zone, like, I'm like, just talk, it's fine. And I coach. And then once, like, it's enough now, once I hear they're just going on and on and on, I say, right, you're on the bench now because you didn't do this or you did do this or you didn't do that or you didn't do that. So now sit down, drink your water and tell me when you're ready to go on and do what you're supposed to do. How do, you, do. how do you cope? How do you approach or handle an overawed player, a player that's uh, not come off, you know, talking, but come off in tears and slightly overawed by what's happening around them? I let them have their moment to feel their emotion. And then I have a chat to them. I'll, I'll then withdraw myself from the game. And I'll turn to them, give them, give them my attention, have a chat to them and try and let them turn their emotion into going back on the field and doing something with it. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to ask you that one because I know I've been in a similar situation being in a grand final where we had a younger player, very overall to the occasion, came off the ground after, at the first sub, was completely emotional to the point where she was, was breaking down in tears she went into the back of the bench. Another three of the people on the bench went and started to try and attend her. I literally had to walk over and say, no, go away. I had to clear them out so that I could actually get to down to her level and talk to her directly because what was going to, I could see what was going to happen. She was clearly overawed by the occasion and it, you know, others wanted to want to attend. Her. I must say, I believe quite strongly in feeling the emotion. I feel like the emotion, uh, it can aid in your game play. Um, so I do, I, I, I quite strongly feel the emotion. If someone's crying on the field because of, you know, or if she's on the bench crying, but she's not injured and she's ready to go on, I let her go on and she must not cry on the field and run and go score a goal while you're crying and then cry about that too. Like, true. <laughs> I, I, I quite strongly believe in the emotion. You know, I've had the emotion before where I'm playing in a big match and it's one of those matches where you've worked the whole tournament, you know, you're in the final and your team's just put in, you know, a goal to make it where you guys are going to win. And there's two minutes left, you know, and I was tearing up. I was ready to cry. And there's matches where we were losing and I was ready to cry, but you don't, you don't, you've got to still play through that. You've got to play. People need to be stopping scared of emotions, feel the emotion 
and play through it. Yeah, you know, we talk about the big game. We talk about the grand final. We talk about that moment and having been there myself. From a coaching point of view, at what point do you allow yourself to start to feel the occasion? If you're in a winning position, particularly, at what point are you going to are you allowing yourself to start to feel it? Does it depend on what's happening, or in the last little bit of the game, the last few minutes? If you're winning like ten nil, which you shouldn't be winning a ten nil in a final, no, you know. True. But when you know you've definitely won, or when you know that you've like, there's matches where. There's the last five minutes of the match and we're like <clears throat> three nil down. Then I know, okay, we've definitely lost, you know. I still don't give up though as a coach. You still coach them. You still go. Um, but that's when you focus even more on the game play instead of putting goals in type of thing. But winning, <clears throat> you allow yourself to feel the big occasion when you know that you've definitely got the results or don't have the results or whatever. Um, yeah, then you start feeling it, but you still wait. There's still your responsibility as a coach. You can't, you know, winning a big tournament, I always believe once you've, at the end of that match, you go to the opponent coach, you shake their hand while the goals run on the field and tackle each other and shout and say, well done. Yeah. You still, as the coach, respect the other team. The goals are, are overcome with emotion and, you know, pride and excitement and joy. Let them have that. That's fine. But respect your opponents because it wouldn't have happened without them. Go to the other coach, shake their hand. Once your girls have, you know, tackled each other and had their pile on, pull them up and go and shake hands. Go on. Um, so thank you to Tech Table. Sign the papers, get all of that stuff out the way. Then you go to your team and you join them and have, you know, the fun, the fun side of it. There's still a responsibility to the match officials and to all of you know all of the people that were involved in it. It's just another match. It's not like you've won the World Cup. Yo, sometimes after matches, these teams are going on like they've won the World Cup. I'm like, you're playing the last league in a small town in the bottom of South Africa where no one knows you. Can you relax? Anyways. <laughs> Oh yeah, so true. Uh, so true. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to say that. I, I I think in all the grand finals, all the tournament finals that I've coached, I don't ever th- recall a moment where I did relax that wasn't inside the last minute. Uh, yeah. I don't even think I was prepared to let myself take the foot off until I knew that they were beginning to throw the hail marys and in that last minute. And then I might have relaxed. I do remember one grand final when we were four nil up, and I still didn't think we had. I still didn't think we could. And it was about a minute, two minutes to three minutes to go, and and a parent behind me said, "No, you've got this," because this was when we we're playing on grass, so no benches. And someone said to me, "No, no, no, you've got it. It's okay. Look at what they're doing." And I went, "No, we haven't." And that was, I think, that was still with about three minutes to go, and we were four nil up. So I still wasn't prepared to concede. Concede yeah. we had it. So that. You know, that shows. Uh, and I guess from a coaching point of view, that does. Now, let, look, let's move to post-game. Because this is always, either from both a playing or coaching point, it's always an interesting one. 
what's what's the focus post game for you as a coach and as a player? Um, as a coach, it I like I said, I take my team talks very seriously. As a coach, I love to talk because it's important straight after game to have a chat to girls so that they remember things in the in that whole feeling of whatever's happening, you know, whether they've won or lost or whatever. So, yeah, after my, you know, we gather, you know, behind the Astro, whatever, and have a chat. And I talk about what they didn't do, what they did do. If it's been a really intense match, you know, sometimes I ask them, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? You know, get all of their input, all of that. Um, I try and keep it like as positive as possible, as uplifting as possible. Not you guys were terrible, go home and go think about what you didn't do. Mm. Like you want to try and build them up. Also, but at the same time, they're making them take responsibility for what they did or didn't do. Um, but yeah, I take it very seriously. But I, it doesn't end there. I believe in reflection, all of that stuff, you know. So I, tell, I always tell the girls, if you have questions about the match, if you're processing the match, I want you to go and process and think about what you did and didn't do. If you have questions, message me, call me, you know, let's have a chat about it. Because sometimes you've had your chat and everyone's like, okay, cool. And then you're driving home, you know, and then you're busy reflecting on it or whatever. And you realize things and and think about things that you didn't maybe think about before. Mm. And those mm. things can't just be pushed aside. You need to actually address them. So yeah, I do take, I, I do take pre and post match talks very seriously as a team so that everyone is on the same page. You don't want clicks in your team where these people are talking about those people and this person's talking about that player who didn't do this and who did do this and whatever and whatever. Yeah. So. And there's no clear t formula with those talks, is there? There's no, you know, it's what... It changes depending on what situation you're in. Yeah. Uh, because that's a question that's been asked is, is there a clear formula? Is there a clear thing that you can do? Um, there, there really isn't, isn't there? You, you, it, it changes with the scenario that's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Kieran's just finished off. He's looking forward to actually watching you play now. Um, he, he seems. I to think th that they're live streaming our match this weekend. Yeah, I believe they are. I believe they are. I believe they. Whoops. Well, there you go, folks. I've, I've actually lost Simone. She's disappeared on us. Uh, I think a battery might have gone out. Um, and that's brought us to the end of the show. That's brought us to the end of the show. I'm just going to try and hold to see if um, she's able to get back here um, at all, um, but it looks like her battery may have run out. Um, so I'll just hold for a little while and just see if she can come back. But So there we have it. So that's what we're talking. We're talking about uh, ha handling things from both a coaching point of view and also we talked briefly about you know, what's going on from a playing point of view on this week's episode of Sports Coaching Insights. Um, like we say, there's no there's no specific formula uh, when it comes to team talks. There's no specific formula when it comes to any of this. You, there's no template. Uh, uh, there's no template. So it looks like we've... It just looks like what's happened, it looks like we've temporarily... Um, we've temporarily lost her. Uh, hopefully she m might try and get back if she can, but 
yeah, so there's no specific template with your team talks. There's no specific formula. There's no specific, um, you know, way to, to, to go about it. You've just got to try to, um, you, you've just got to work your best. Uh, yeah, we've just got confirmation the laptop's died. Um, so we're just confirming that, um, confirming Simone, uh, unfortunately, the laptop's died, so technical difficulties. So in summing up, and thanks, Simone, for being with us again today. Today, And thank you, everyone, who has been watching. Uh, we look forward to coming back next week with another Sports Coaching Insights where we'll talk about a different aspect behind uh, behind field hockey coaching uh, and, and obviously other things. If you, if you are interested in watching uh, some hockey from South Africa, uh, PE Hockey. If you go to PE Hockey on Facebook, you'll be able to catch... Simone's game this weekend. You may even be able to catch the game she's coaching in as well. So please, um, if you can, jump on and check that out. Um, oh, hang on. Uh, I've got her coming back um, by the looks of things. So we're 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 dealing. Uh, this is what happens. We're dealing with with the nature of uh, technical imbalances that do occur. Uh, technical issues that do occur, um, audio-wise. Ah! <laughs> my, uh, my laptop died. I did tell you that my, my battery is most... Uh, yeah, so my laptop died. But I quickly ran and got my dad to stop live-streaming the Zoom and rather give me his tablet so that I could uh, <laughs> come back on. <laughs> um, well, we're just summing up. We thought we'd, we'd sum up because I wasn't Thank sure whether you'd get back to us or not, because I knew I knew things were were beginning to uh, to conk out on you. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying. Um, yeah. I think they're live streaming my match this weekend. I'm not sure actually if they are, but they should be. Um, yeah. It's one of those matches where we actually we have to win with a bonus point um, to stay on top of the league. So it's going to be we're making it a big one. Yeah. Well, make sure. If if we can see it, we'll make sure we're there, and um, we'll we'll uh, yeah, we'll try and stream it. We'll try and uh, connect it to our Big G Sports Global Facebook page as well, folks, um, so you can catch it there. Uh, you can cross catch it if it, if it, hopefully it's on. So um, mm. good chance to check it out. So in summing up, um, any last sort of tips in this particular area before we we bring it up to an end. Um, I think coach and player wise, pre-match, during match, post-match, the biggest thing is to, I, I feel like, to allow yourself to actually feel the emotion, to not overthink it. Yeah. Just allow things to happen the way they happen um, and take things as, it, as they come because matches are things where, you know, weird things happen. Before the match, during the match, after the match, weird things happen that are out of your control. A lot of the things in a match are out of your control. Yeah. So, You've just got to take it as it comes and deal with it one thing at a time. Um, yeah, that means two sets on a specific, definite, this is happening, that's happening. Yeah. We have a saying in this business from a coaching point of view, and I use it quite a lot, control the controllables, which basically means you can only control what, as Simone says, you can only control. Um, you can only control what's under your ability to control. Everything else is is you've just got to let it go. Um, yeah. Yeah. So again, thank you, Simone, for being a part of the show, and thank you for 
Thank you. Doing another Sports Coaching Insights. We'll be back again next week with another interesting topic for discussion. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a, a few people catch the game on the weekend uh, and watch them um, as well. So, uh, PE Hockey on Facebook is the place to go if you want to you want to catch that. Catch that. Um, anyway, thank you again, Simone, and we look forward to being back next week. Awesome. Thank you so much. See you guys next week. See ya.